0: Yeah. To choke out my illusions, yeah. to cut through the confusion. Hello, and welcome to the Rationable Podcast, your weekly deep dive into how science and critical thinking. Make you immune to scams, fads, and hoaxes. I am your host, Abhijit. Let's dig in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rationable Podcast. Now, this time we want to explore something a little bit different. I'm sure you've heard or said that science doesn't know everything. This is usually in defense of an idea that probably isn't scientific, like homeopathy or God. And that's okay, because I agree with you, science doesn't know everything, and probably never will. And here's why. First, we have to understand what science is. Since the first Homo sapiens wandered the African plains, we have wondered about this world we live in, and how things happen, like rain, storms, babies, birds, bees, tigers, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes, and so on. And we've stumbled along the way, using our intuition and imagination to find the answers. Initially, we thought elemental gods were pushing all the buttons, like Thor. Yep. And his hammer. The Norse god of thunder that you might know from the Marvel movies, but I'm talking about the original one. Uranus or Uranus. (laughs) Still trying to figure out how to pronounce that one. Uh, The Greek god of the sky. That's what he did or the Hindu goddess of love, fertility, and divine strength, Parvati. But as time went on, we started to discover the natural mechanisms behind the seas, skies, and life in general. We figured out that germs made us sick instead of demons, or bad spirits, or even the four humours as described by Hippocrates. Fast forward a few thousand years, and we had gone to the moon, built MRI machines, And we use smartphones. Oh, we use smartphones so much. Anyway, at every step of the way along this path, we humans have shifted gradually from intuition and superstition to evidence and reason. That process, that way of thinking, is called science. Ta da! Science is a way of thinking about our world and the universe that minimizes the chances of fooling ourselves, which we can do very easily. Look at magicians, optical illusions, so-called mind readers, and so on. They all use the limitations of our senses to fool us. Even without their help, we have a tendency to fool ourselves every single day. Food seems tastier when we're hungry, for example. If someone we care for does something bad, we refuse to believe their accusations initially. We deny them. We are in denial. We hear things, see things, think about things of the world around us that are warped by our senses, by our biases, preferences and perspectives. Our senses can be easily fooled by audible and visible illusions, not to mention, as I mentioned before... Magicians, mind readers, and illusionists. But even eyewitness testimonies in court are now being questioned because of how our memories change without us even knowing it. We have to face it. Our brains are just not as reliable as we think. But there are ways to work around these limitations. That's why we created the scientific method. The scientific method tries to be as objective as possible. The process goes something like this, you make an observation of a particular phenomenon, form a hypothesis to explain why it happens, just figure out a way that you think such a phenomenon might occur. Now you run some experiments or find evidence to support or refute the hypothesis. If it's for nutrition or medicine, the gold standard is the large randomized controlled trial that means you need to gather a large number of people from diverse backgrounds, ages and genders, that can change depending on what you want to study, and divide them into at least two groups. One will receive the hypothesized treatment, the other will get nothing but a placebo. In other forms of experiments, say for astronomy, it could be observational studies of distant galaxies or mathematical calculations supported by observations. Now, using these findings, there can be certain conclusions drawn, predictions made, or more questions can be asked about what's really going on. This could be fuel for more experiments to be run in the future. Next, you publish your findings in a reputable journal. After that, ideally, other scientists will run the same experiments and tests to find flaws in your work or to confirm your findings. If they confirm your findings, Yay, you've discovered something new about reality. If not, you're going back to the drawing board. Then, after a whole bunch of other studies have been done independently, someone will hopefully do a meta-analysis, which finds trends across all the studies to come up with highly objective results. Simply, we try at each step to see things as they actually are. And then all our colleagues and similar scientists across the world do their own tests to see if they come to the same results. Why would they do that? Because they're trying to prove their colleagues wrong. And if they can't prove the findings wrong, they can work on building on the findings and answering questions that have emerged from the study. That's how we try to fight our individual biases, by opening up our findings to be tested to their breaking points. And where they break, we can find our biases weakening evidence. And learning that could lead to an even better understanding of the topic that we're studying. Each peer-reviewed study that is published fits one more piece into a jigsaw puzzle that is reality. Each piece challenges us to find the next piece that can fit its predictions. The whole puzzle, missing pieces and all, is called a theory. That's why we have a gravitational theory. We have germ theory and the theory of evolution. All of these have massive amounts of the puzzle already solved and a clear picture emerges. For instance, we know how evolution caused the diverse forms of life on our planet, how the tectonic plates move, how round the earth is and how our bodies digest food. But there are still bits missing, like what's inside a black hole, unless you watched Interstellar. What happened before the Big Bang? What are dark matter and dark energy? How can our brains create music and poetry? How does crocine work, otherwise known as paracetamol? Why do dogs always look happy, but probably aren't? Why are cats such assholes? And so on. For those, science charges on to see how it all fits together. So you see science may never know everything, especially since the universe is so massive and has so many moving paths, all the way from galaxy clusters down to subatomic particles. And if someone asks a question about what's beyond the threshold of our knowledge, it's okay to say, I don't know. In fact, that may be the only intellectually honest thing to say in many contexts. In fact, you can take it one step further and say, I don't know, but I'm sure someone out there is trying to figure it out right now. And if someone defiantly tells you science doesn't know everything, you can confidently respond, of course not. But if there's a question, science is the best method we have of finding the answer. So what do you think science is? And what do you think you would want science to find out that hasn't been answered yet? Let me know by going to the website, berationable.com. And send me a message there or tweet at me at BeRationable. Until next week, see ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to read the blog version of this episode along with all the citations and references, or if you have any ideas, comments or suggestions, please visit BeRationable.com. You've been listening to The Rationable Podcast. See you next week.